0: Welcome to this market commentator podcast. It is MoneyWeb's weekly podcast where I speak to the leading investment professionals in South Africa. And the guest today is Vanessa van Furen. She is the fund manager of the Sunlum Small Cap Fund. Uh, Vanessa, welcome to the show. Uh, we are currently seeing a lot of volatility in the market, uh, especially amongst the large caps. Uh, what is happening in the small cap space?
1: Good morning, Rick. Um, So in the small cap space, we are also seeing quite a bit of volatility um, in line with the rest of the market. And when I talk small caps, I'm going to talk small and mid caps. And so in the small and mid cap which is basically everything outside of the top 40, we've seen a lot of volatility, particularly on those sectors that you know have been very volatile, the mining sectors, the gold and the platinum stocks, etc. So we are experiencing quite a bit of that in our end of the market as well.
0: The market in South Africa is largely driven with what is happening outside of our borders. Um, does that dis- uh, apply for small caps as well? look I don't think it's
1: applying for small caps as much as it is for the top 40 stocks so we certainly don't have generally speaking the smaller mid cap stocks are a lot more geared to the domestic economic conditions although some of them over the last few years have been trying to diversify their businesses into small offshore operations but largely on the whole it is more South African um, macro economy it's not like the top 40 where there's a lot of international operations and also a lot of international shareholder interest and um, there's a lot less international shareholder interest at particularly on the smaller small caps and um, just from a liquidity
0: perspective but the the South African economic um, expectations are not very uh, bright uh, there seems to be a lot of headwinds blowing against the local uh, market and the local economy what, what do you think are the prospects of small caps uh, over the short and medium term
1: Yes, indeed, and that is a big issue. And I always caution my clients about the sensitivity of the area of the market to the, the domestic and economic environment. But um, I have also noted in the past that what we've seen with a lot of these companies is that a lot of them have dealt with this very muted economic environment for the good few last few years. And so I think a lot of the companies have managed through this type of economic environment and adjusted their businesses to to deal with that type of more muted demand environment. So I actually feel that a lot of the smaller mid cap shares are in very healthy. Conditions, and they're quite well poised to, to navigate the current economic conditions, but obviously to get that next leg up of better performance, you do need a better economic environment, definitely from a growth perspective.
0: The collective investment industry is 50 years old this year, and uh, it's grown from the first fund in 1965 to currently over 1,200 funds, yet there are only seven small cap funds. Uh, why this discrepancy?
1: Yes, that's very interesting. I mean, if you look at our space, we are very tiny compared to the, the bigger universe of general equity, and I think that's really a function of where the market puts their interest. So. I mean, there's seven funds in our area. If you look at small and mid caps as a whole, they only make up around 18% of the value of the total JSE. So it's quite tiny, but they make up, they're more than 120 shares. So it's a very broad universe in terms of number of stocks, but it's very low in terms of value. And I think that does explain why guys don't have that much interest in the space because they just think from a liquidity perspective, it's more limited, um, which I don't necessarily agree with. Cause I think there's a lot of opportunity in our area, but it just seems to be the case that South African institutions haven't focused on it as much as potentially should be the case.
0: One of those seven funds is the Net Group Investments Entrepreneur Fund uh, managed by ABEX. Um and this fund owns large stocks, uh, Naspers, NetCare, what are the rules to, to be labelled a, a small and mid-cap fund?
1: Okay, so the rules are, are very clearly defined. I mean it's basically your universe, the universe that we can buy is anything outside of the top 40. So that's your mid-cap and your, your small cap indexes and fledgling stocks as well. What I think happens is um, when a stock, because there's always movement between the various sizes of the the market. So as the stock moves into top 40, what happens is the rule is that we can no longer buy it once it's in the top 40, but we are not forced to sell it. So some of the guys do buy it when they're still mid-cap shares. And then when they move into the top 40, they hold on it into perpetuity if they wish. So that's why you'll see some top 40 stocks still residing in a small cap fund.
0: Does the SIM small cap fund, the one you manage, uh, own any uh, top 40 shares?
1: We've got two residual positions, we've got Rainit and Netcare which are still sitting in our fund which we held from when they were mid-caps, so those are two positions that we have. Here. How big is
0: your fund and, and what is the benchmark?
1: So our fund is currently about 390 million Rand in size and we manage against a fixed benchmark which is basically the mid and small cap index combined and blended on a market cap weighted basis. So it's essentially your SWIX excluding all your top 40 stocks.
0: Are you currently seeing inflows or outflows?
1: We are actually seeing a little bit more interest in the last year or so. We've seen more interest coming in from particularly the IFA markets and the retail side. We've seen um, actually some pleasant flows considering the circumstances, which has been a bit of a departure from the past where um, there hasn't been that much interest in dedicated niche small cap area. Um, But I think it's looking more positive at the moment.
0: Just looking at the the portfolio of shares you hold, there seems to be many shares in the portfolio. Uh, What is your strategy uh, trying to buy across the board and hope you you find the outliers or, or how do you approach it?
1: Okay, so we don't have any predefined limits on the number of stocks we hold. But typically, um, we are sitting with anywhere between 40 and 50 shares in the portfolio on average. And my top 10 typically makes up about 40% in terms of the concentration of my higher conviction positions. And there's no big signs to that. It's very much a bottom-up analysis-driven process. So, um, you know, we're researching the entire small and mid-cap space very thoroughly across our whole equity team. And from that bottom-up perspective, I construct the portfolio with with the ideas as they come in. So there's no rule to stick to, say, 20 stocks. Um, I have some leeway with that.
0: How many stocks are in the portfolio right now?
1: At the moment, we've got 46. Just the risk
0: profile, uh, small caps seem to be uh, labeled as more risky. I think that is maybe one of the reasons why there are only seven um, funds as well. Uh, They are perceived to be uh, risky. Uh, What is the risk profile of your fund?
1: Okay, so um, that's an interesting question and it's something that we think about all the time because, because of that very issue that you raised, that there is this perception that it's a risky area of the market. And I think that perception is justified because of what you saw in the, the 2008 market crash. There was a very, very strong sell-off in the small cap side of the market. And so um, there is caution that's needed. But when we look at risk, I've basically divided my portfolio up to um, what I would consider more risky and less risky and and on my numbers about 15% of the portfolio is invested in what I term more undervalued, riskier business ideas and those are basically stocks where we feel we've got a very high margin of safety and sectors like construction, manufacturing or something like packaging and then 85% of the portfolio is actually invested in more defensive sectors like education, healthcare, retail, hospitality and leisure, um, food production, etc. So I actually do monitor that exposure and so I feel that the risk profile of the fund is actually quite a bit lower than perhaps people would think because of the sectors that we have exposure to um, implicitly in the fund.
0: The largest holding you have in the fund is Kira Holdings, the private uh, education group uh, which has run really hard. Um, What do you foresee the prospects are for this company?
1: This is a classic idea of of the type of ideas we're trying to incubate in the fund and I call it incubating because we really do take a long-term view on these stocks. Um, We want to pick them up quite early in their growth phases and we want to hold them through a very long holding period of at least five years and even up to ten years potentially depending on how long I'll manage the fund. Um, But if you take Jura, for example, um, it's a a strong structural demand story. Um, You've got significant demand for private education in this country. It's been undersupplied, especially at the price points that they are supplying historically. And um, so it's very clear that you can see that as they've rolled out their schools, the demand of far exceeded their own expectations in their planning. And so, you know, we have tracked this investment case. We've held it for the last two years, and we continue to hold it as one of our highest conviction bets. We can see the results starting to come through very nicely now in terms of profitability actually being reported. And, and we think that the prospects in the pipeline still remains extremely um, exciting. So we're still holding on at this level.
0: But the, the share has run really hard. Uh, how do you balance, um, you know, great potential with a uh, very high P.E. ratio?
1: Yes. The PE ratio is one metric that we do look at but we're not completely fixated on that. What we spend a lot of time trying to do is understand the very long-term investment case of a company. So, sometimes the short-term PE ratio can be very deceiving in terms of the long-term prospects and and we actually try to look through that because what we've done is we've actually modeled the company over the next 10 years and we've tried to understand where this company could get to in terms of its market share of the potential market out there and then to value that opportunity and if we still see upside in that, we'll hold the idea even though the PE looks very, very high and inflated because we're taking a very long-term call on the investment case.
0: But it does seem that you really like the PSG group. You're not only hold shares in PSG, but also in Zida and, and then Kero as well.
1: Yes, I mean, we, we've, we still hold PSG, um, and Vida, we have actually reduced a little bit in the portfolio recently, um, but yeah, it just so happens that, uh, Curo is a big asset in PSG. Uh, we used to hold Pioneer as well, but we are out of that now, um, in the last few quarters. So, um, we do think that it's done very well, and if you look at PSG, a lot of its rating at the moment is being driven by Capitec's performance, which we don't hold any of, um, so we're getting to pick a little bit of that up through our PSG holding. Somebody
0: investing in the small cap fund, what should the expectation be? Um, I see that the, the 10 year performance is around 12.3% per year, which is lower than the, the all seas performance over that same period. What is your, you know, if if you invest in a small cap fund, uh, would you expect as a default a higher return than the, the, the all share?
1: Yes, I would say, I mean, look, if you take the 10 year period that you've got now, it does include that very negative drop. So um, over that period, you know, I think our small cap fund in 2007, I wasn't managing it at the time, but it fell very materially um, in that small cap market crash. So that is included in those numbers. But I definitely think that, on the whole, on aggregate, you should expect a higher return. These companies that we're investing in are typically growing at a faster rate than the market, and we are picking ideas that we think are offering a lot more upside than the broader market. Um, so I can't guide explicitly on on a, a, an expected return trajectory. I mean, what I can tell you, perhaps, let you into what how we look at the fund is: we track a number um, which is our aggregated upside to intrinsic value of all the ideas in our in our portfolio, based on the position, the weighting in the portfolio, and that's running. At at the moment at about between fifty and 40 percent upside to what we believe is the fair value of the stocks in the portfolio so that could give you a sense of an expected return but i can't tell you the timing of that return over whether it's going to come over three or four years um, so it's going to depend on on how that plays out
0: just lastly uh, what sectors and uh, maybe even specific companies are you looking at currently to add to the portfolio
1: i think um, again i just want to emphasize that we really don't like to take a sort of a sector approach. It's very much a bottom-up approach and it's driven by, you know, where we're seeing value coming out. And I think at the moment, you know, if I just think of some of the more recent purchases that we've been doing, we've seen a little bit of opportunity in the technology sector. Uh, We've been adding a little bit there and then a little bit in the financial sector, actually, where we've seen um, some aggressive sell-offs in some of the financial stocks um, offering some opportunities. But generally speaking, the core sectors that we have exposure to have been fairly consistent and we we continue to be focused on those sectors in this current market conditions.
0: Just uh, the commodity sector seems to be the one that offers the most risk and the most value. Uh, How do you view the commodity sector?
1: Yeah, um, the the commodity sector is such a tough one to call and um, generally we've we've had very low exposure to the commodity sector and what we've done is we've sort of at the margin we've looked at some ideas and we had a little bit of exposure to northern in the past at the moment we have no exposure to commodities in the fund Um, I just feel that the risks are too high at this point in the commodity cycle and um, while there is a lot of upside there is still so much risk in it that I think it's very difficult to call and I've got so many other opportunities on the industrial financial side that I'm still seeing upside in so I prefer not to take that risk at this stage but I will continue to monitor it because we do have have quite a few uh, commodity opportunities. You
0: don't have any exposure to international shares. Uh, Is that part of the fund rules to limit you to South African stocks only?
1: No, we do have, um, we're allowed to take up to 20% offshore into outside of South Africa. We have one stock that we hold outside of South Africa. It's Namibian breweries in um, Namibia. Um, But other than that, it's the only exposure that we have outside of SA, Um, just again, because the opportunity set in South Africa is attractive. But we do look at ideas here and there. For example, in the past, we used to hold net one. If you remember that, mm. was also listed on the, on the NASDAQ. We bought it in the States. So um, those are examples of where we do play with offshore. But generally, we've been very much South African focused.
0: Thank you, Vanessa. That was Vanessa van Fieren. She's the fund manager of the Sunlum Small Cap Fund.